0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our Wonder Women in Business podcasts, we give a voice to those women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share these stories with the world so that in their shining, they give permission to others to shine as well. Today's guest is Julie Staple. First of all, let me say what an honor it is to have you on the
1: show today, Julie. Thank you, Susan. Um, Having looked at your prior podcasts, I have to say I'm honored to be counted among the women who you've had on this forum before. So thank you very much.
0: Well, you are in good company, but I have to say they are as well. You are amazing. You're fun. You're funny. You're a terrific storyteller. Um, Folks, I don't always personally know every one of my guests, but I do know Julie and she is all that. So tell the world a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. So I am a partner at the law firm of Morgan Lewis uh, in our Chicago office. My practice area is employee benefits law, and I'm the practice group head of that for the Chicago office. Employee benefits law is an area a lot of people aren't as familiar with. You know, when when you're a lawyer, you perennially get asked, oh, what kind of law And I've sort of just made up an answer because it's sometimes too hard to explain quickly (laughs) what employee benefits law is. But for your audience, it is worth the time. And employee benefits law is all of the laws that deal with the different kinds of benefits that your employer offers you through your job. So things like your retirement plan, a 401k plan, health and welfare plans, disability, life insurance, all of the things that you get uh, communications uh, from your employer about and open enrollment and all of that stuff. There's a complex web of federal and local laws that apply to those kind of um, programs, and that's my practice area. And here at Morgan Lewis, we're fortunate enough to have the largest of this type of practice area uh, in the country, probably the world, uh, with about 70 professionals working in this area. So what it's meant is that it's allowed me to really specialize in the things that I'm interested in, and those are the investment-related aspects of employee benefit plans. So how your 401k plan takes your money and invests it, and all of the rules and laws that relate to that.
0: So I have to say, actually, I never thought I would say that employment law um, or anything related to employment law would be exciting to me, but employment benefits law sounds very exciting. Um, It's sort of a mashup of financial services and legal, right?
1: Yeah. And in fact, my practice is very financial services focused because I work with plan sponsors. That's what we call employers. I work with plan sponsors to negotiate all the different kinds of contracts and arrangements that facilitate the investment by their employee benefit plans. So it is, and the other thing I will say about this practice area, in case there are law students or junior lawyers listening, is it is a hardy one in that it it tends to be pretty resilient to economic and market downturns, and it's also pretty niche, so that once you learn it and become an expert in this area, you're fairly employable and, and remain, you know, having a lot of options. Uh, as compared to some of the other practice areas I've seen in my now 23-year career.
0: Well, you look great. Let me tell you, she started when she <laughs> was safe, folks. So, um, um, Julie, you are funny. You are smart. You are beautiful. You're all that. You're courageous. I'll give you that for sure. Um, it's interesting to hear you say how much you love the type of work you do. That's always refreshing. It's hard to find Uh, something that you're passionate about that you'll still get paid to do. I mean, what a perfect, perfect uh, combination there. Tell me a little bit about what you do when you're not at work. And then uh, actually, you know what, before we go there, I want to ask you, since we're talking about work and your profession, what has been your proudest professional accomplishment?
1: Sure. It's sort of related to the point I just was making about what a good practice area this is. And, and I'd say my proudest moment was in 2007-ish, Yeah, January of 2007, I was at a job, and, and we'll talk about that job, I hope, later, because I know another area we want to talk about is is challenges later, and, and that job was my challenge. So I left that job, and I decided that um, my children were, at the time, uh, 8 and 10, or 7 and 10, and I I knew I wanted to move back to the Midwest. I was practicing in Washington, D.C. at the time. I knew I wanted to move back to the Midwest. I'm from Indiana. Um, My sister lives in the Chicago suburbs, um, now a mile from me, and I just kind of felt like I wanted to make that move, and here I was. I was 11 years out of law school. I didn't have a book of business. Um, You know, I'd been in-house, and then before that, I was an associate, and I think that had I not had such a marketable and niche practice area, my ability to call up headhunters in Chicago and say, hey, can you find me a job, would have been far more limited. Um, and as it was, several headhunters looked at me and said that they, you know, basically said they weren't up to the challenge of me. Um, but I had one who saw exactly what I did and what, I, what value I brought. And, and he did a great job. And I, and I got a position uh, here in Chicago back then It was with um, Winston and Strawn. I was brought in as an of counsel with a commitment to make partner uh, within two years. Um, assuming I did, as I said, I would do, and so anyone doing the math here can add two years to 2007, puts us in 2009, oh. not a banner year for the legal profession, yeah. um, but I made it. I was one of only six people to make partner at Winston and Strawn that year, and I made it, I think, on the strength of what I delivered in response to that commitment. So, I was proud of being able to make the move with my family from D.C. to Chicago. I was proud that I had the foresight to negotiate that kind of a partnership guarantee consideration for myself. And then I was proud that I met the the conditions with enough certainty that they made me partner even in a very challenging year. That's amazing. I, I-
0: I am 52. I was around, I worked in financial services before that crash. It was way much more fun then. Um, yeah. Yeah. All those challenges that legal and financial services, I know, you know, obviously consumers felt challenges too and retail investors and such, but uh, the institutional investors, the whole country and the world, I think, felt that burn. So kudos to you for surviving and then thriving through all that. Um, so now I'll go to that question I wanted to ask you, you know, who, who's who been your mentor and what do you do, you know, outside? I can tell you love your work, so no doubt. You're very passionate about it when you talk about it. Uh, but what, what do you do when you're not working and who has inspired you? Tell me a little bit about those areas in your life.
1: Sure. I could make a glib remark here about law firm partners don't know the phrase when you're not working um but I won't. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, well, Um solopreneurs don't know what um yeah,
1: exactly. Like. So yeah, so I generally so I'm a mother of two uh adult now adult children, which is hard for me to believe. A a 21-year-old and an 18-year-old. Wow. And I I would have in previous years, you know, listed all of the various of their activities that I attended, um, but now we find ourselves as empty nesters, so I, I don't have that anymore. Um, I enjoy exercise. I, I, I always carve out time. Uh, I've, I've, I do triathlons very slowly. Um, my, my son, in contrast, does triathlons very quickly, and he does them um, at Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, over sort go of in Mustang. your neck of the woods. Yeah, go Mustang. That's a great it is. And we're happy. He's very happy there. Um, so I, I like that. I do that. I'm a very uh, avid follower of Soul Cycle, which um, listeners in some of your markets have, but not others. It's a, a, a cycling studio. That's a lot of fun, very high energy. Um, and I read, I'm an avid, I'm an avid reader. Um, I, this past Saturday was one of my most favorite days of the year. Cause it was independent bookstore day. Nice. And Chicago yeah Chicago does this thing i think other cities do too where if you get to 10 participating bookstores that day and get your pass this little passport stamped then you get a 10% off discount card for the rest of the year awesome awesome what book yeah. are you reading right now right now i am reading a book by a young um author from nigeria it's called an orchestra okay. of minorities and his name, I'm going to grab the book or I'm going to bungle it, is, um, his last name is Obioma, O-B-I-O-M-A. It's wonderful. He teaches at the um, University of Nebraska at Lincoln. He's shockingly young. In the little author bio, it said something like he was born in 1986, and I nearly oh my cried. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> someone that talented
0: could be, be that young.
1: More. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So that's um that's what I do in my somewhat scarce free time. Um the mentor question is is a good one and and one that I want to use to give an opportunity a shout out and and not just because I work here but a, a shout out to the managing uh partner of our the chair of our firm uh is a woman named Jamie McKean. Bloody um Jamie nice. no notab- Oh my gosh. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Jamie's pretty amazing. She is the, we are the largest law firm in the world to be run, um, led by a woman. Um, w- even if we were just looked at in companies overall, not just law firms, we're among the largest to be run by a woman. Um, and she's just truly remarkable. She's transformational. She shows a path forward of incredibly high achievement and professional success while still retaining a really basic humanity and decency and caring and engagement. And it's just a model of female leadership of an organization that I think really represents the future and and what the future should look like. So So I'm really proud of that.
0: You hit on a couple of things. You know, these are – areas I'm very passionate about, um, and this is how we will create equity in the workplace. Um, men and women don't lead the same way often, and men see women like what you described Jamie as, as being transformational and collaborative and asking questions and inclusive, and um, some men see that as, as weakness when we know that's not true. It's, it's actually more engaging, and women at the helm who are collaborative and transformational in leadership. Uh, create results, good results, not just bottom line results, which are always important, but happy people. They want to stay there, work there, and work harder, and do more, and so great of you to give her a shout out. I'd love to know more about her, maybe meet her someday, Um, but that's awesome that you have a female leader to look up to, and to work alongside with, and um, you know, it's not as hierarchical in a transformational leadership uh, atmosphere, it's more collaborative. So great, 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 nice to hear that, um, so.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, there's another another lawyer I worked with back in my very junior lawyer days. His name's Michael Curto, and he's, he's currently the head of the Washington office of Squires Patent Pat Boggs. And he is one of these people where, I think one, I was working with them, if he would have asked me, "Hey, 20 years from now, will his voice still ring through your head almost daily?" I would have said, "No. You know, he's nice. I like working with him. But over time, I've come back again and again to so many of the things he told me as a young lawyer and and as a young parent, because I was a young parent as well at the time, a parent of young children. And on on both fronts, professionally and from a parenting perspective, things he says ring through my head." And and my favorite and the one I think is the best takeaway is he says if you're explaining you're losing, and so I've always taken that to mean live your life and do your work in a way where you don't have to explain yourself to anybody, where where your intention, your output is is apparent and doesn't have to be explained. Because if you're explaining, then you've not been transparent enough and you're probably losing. And that, that goes through my mind so frequently when advising clients, um, when advising my children, and just sort of when making decisions in my own life.
0: I have to say that's very powerful. One, I love to hear when men mentor women or even yeah. more of that, you know that. Um, Yes. And
1: he is an an outstanding mentor of everyone and, and particularly women. Yeah.
0: Nice. Very nice. Good. Great to hear that statement is super powerful. And what you don't know is that it really hits home and resonates with me right now in this very moment, I'm experiencing something where I just need to lead by example, move on and let go, you know, not try so hard to, to make people understand just do it and the outcome will serve the highest and best purpose for the greatest number of people that it should. And those that don't, you know, it wasn't meant to be. So I love that. I'm going to take that. I jotted it down on my (laughs) next and I'm going to, uh, you tell your friend that his words ring true in my head now. (laughs) So, um, You know, I personally have the strongly held belief that women should lift each other up in business and personally, you know, professionally and personally. That said, um, I know you believe the same, but how do you advise other women or maybe give us a little bit of um, advice on how to support women in business?
1: Sure. I do, of course, agree with that. Um, A couple thoughts here. One is I think it's incredibly important not to buy into the one one or two mentality. That once there's been one woman or two women put in a particular setting or in a particular role, that somehow we're done. Um, and I think that that sometimes does happen. I think sometimes women get into roles uh, that, that took them a long time to get there, that were hard to get there. And then they maybe say, well, I made it, you know, I've broken this glass ceiling and so I don't really need to worry anymore about who's coming behind me or maybe oh. I don't want to because then that'll dilute me. So I think, you know, and I, that's why I love the Justice um, Ginsburg quote. I don't remember how it's set up, but the punchline is, you know, when will you stop talking about women on the court? And her answer was when there are nine, right. um, you know, and, and, that, I, love, and I think I love. that, mentality is, is key. Um, Another, and this, this, I'm borrowing this from a dear friend who I'm not going to name because I don't want people to know her tricks, but she, she's a high, very high ranking uh, lawyer in house lawyer. And she says that when she goes to a meeting and there are women in the group she is meeting with who have not spoken, you know, as the meeting is drawing to a close, she makes them talk. Wow. She, she will stop the meeting to say, and, you know, tell me about your role with XYZ organization or what's your view on this? And she just has a rule that you shouldn't bring anybody to a meeting who doesn't have a role to play. And it's her way of calling out people who window dress their teams with women um, oh, or people yeah. of color and then, then then don't have a role for them. So, she, and I, I thought that's, just such a, I, I kind of felt for the people on the other end of it a little bit, <laughs> because she can, she can be a tough cookie, but, um, but I love the sentiment behind it, and, and she's in, she reiterated, she doesn't judge anyone harshly for their answer, or if they are taken off guard by it, but she wants to do it to put the other side on notice that we're not just going to let you think you're diverse because you brought some women to the meeting.
0: So Julie, I didn't expect you to say that and I'm so happy that you did. So a lot of, in, in the work that I do, um, I say this, make a provocative statement that d is lipstick on a pig. Why? Because we don't see inclusive diversity. And I then tell the story about how our brochures and our websites and our pitch teams look diverse. And we have women and other um, minorities on the team But when the client pulls back the curtain and says who's getting paid or who's the relationship attorney or who gets the big case or stretch assignment in the corporate setting, um, it's not those people. And so I talk about potted plants. We're not gonna bring potted plants to the pitch. Someone who just sits there like a potted plant. So it's beautiful to know That when I make this statement, I now have an example of an in-house, you know, a a GC. I'm assuming she's a GC. She is, yeah. Yeah. Who's, Who's saying this and doing this. And, you know, I can tell the attorneys that I work with, you can't fool them anymore. It has to be a focus on more meaningful results, inclusive diversity. Stop tolerating differences and start embracing them and... know let's let's be curious about the other instead of fear-filled um so that's courageous of her to do it i'm super glad you shared that story i I, offline would love to know who she is and you know give a big shout out if she's interested um to her for doing that because that's what's going to change the landscape is pulling back the curtain and you know putting Senior people's feet to the fire um, and saying, you know, what is your fear here? Why can't we? You know, I don't ever want to hear she doesn't fit in here. If she checks the box on requirements for the position and her resume looks good and her re- references checked out, why would? What does that mean? She doesn't fit in. What does fit mean? Just because she's different than you, sir. So um, yeah, I'm all about that. You can tell I got all excited. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. You're taking me to church. So uh, what has been your biggest challenge or setback? How did you overcome it?
1: Yeah, so it, it, it is all kind of a piece with this. I think as it often is in life, it's kind of the other side of what I think is my proudest accomplishment. And that is I was in a position um, in Washington, D.C. I was with a investment advisory firm. And I just... I don't know. I was increasingly becoming aware that the fit was probably not good. Um, I'm not sure it was a role I was entirely ready for. Excuse me, sip of water. Um, That's fine. In that I was probably about, I was eight years, I think, out of law school. Probably not quite ready for that role. But, you know, I'm always of that stretch assignment mindset. So I took a shot on it.
0: Good. Good girl.
1: Good girl. That's great. Right. (laughs) <laughs> and then it just, it, it didn't work. It didn't work interpersonally. I wasn't finding it satisfying. But I those were kind of critical years of my career, right? Those are kind of the key years where you transition from associate to partner or from a supervised attorney to a supervising attorney. Those were kind of critical years. And I found myself at the end of nearly four years there thinking that I'd really messed this up, right, that I, I'd taken these critical years and I did something that didn't work out for me. Um, and, and I really kind of let that get me down until I decided to sort of renovate my whole life at that point and move to Chicago and make a totally um, fresh start of it. So I, I'd say that was it. And it was the ability to recognize, and I really believe this, I say this to my kids all the time, there's, there's no, nothing is a life sentence. Right. You can try something. You can even try it for a long time. And if it doesn't work out, there's absolutely no reason to think you're stuck or you can't make another turn or another decision. And so I kind of had to get myself out of that at the time, and it was exactly the right move on a personal level, on a professional level, everything about it. But it took me kind of feeling pretty, pretty bad to kind of get to the point to realize I, I had, I was the driver here, and I and I had to turn it around.
0: I think that some of the most powerful people I've ever interviewed or met or known have come to find their footing through these tougher times and that whole, you win or learn, never lose. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And I love what you tell your kids too. you it's, you can change at any moment in time. No one, no one says that you can't. In fact, it will happen in the right moment when you have that grit and that courage change change is never easy you know so um I have had some of those moments too many um that many of my listeners know about as well because I put everything on Facebook and I talk about things openly um really my husband is a very private person and I am not at all so that makes for a whole lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) When um, people say, oh, I saw on Facebook that blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm not on Facebook. And they're like, he's like, oh, wait, you're my wife's friend. I get it. So um, I, think, I think definitely we can all learn from our own experiences. We, can, we become better, stronger people because of them. But we can also learn from others, which is why I do this podcast, letting you share your story. So I know a lot of great stuff about you. Um, I I would love for you to tell, you know, I don't know that we have time today, but maybe another time, tell the story of um, who you are in your son's eyes that just brought tears to my eyes when I heard you tell that story. Um, It was beautiful. But tell us a surprising fact about you, something people don't know that's going to be an aha wow.
1: Well, I think life handed me my uh, fun fact for life in uh, 2015, when after many, many long years of trying, I was on Jeopardy uh, in October of 2015. And when I say many years of trying, I mean it. As in I, I auditioned the very first Jeopardy audition I ever had. I was 22 years old and you still went to like a big hotel ballroom and took a test with a pen and paper. Wow! <laughs> of course, for the past ten or or more years, it's all been an online um process. But um, yeah, I I made it, and I uh, I went to in person auditions in Kansas City, and I made it out of there, and I was on TV in October of 2015. That's I incredible! In, That's amazing. I came in. I came in second. I lost Woo-hoo. to the beautiful and talented Nikki Grillos, who I'm very proud to say has become a friend.
0: Nice and.
1: I always say to people that losing on Jeopardy was one of the best things I ever won. Um, Because, and speaking of Facebook, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not the biggest Facebook enthusiast um, in general, Um, but I have to say that were it not for Facebook, I would not have the friends that I've made through Jeopardy, um, four of which are my teammates on a very competitive bar trivia team I play on every week wow uh, here in Chicago would never have known them would never have stayed in touch with them so I I give Facebook grudging credit <laughs> for that um so that's the that
0: only lawyer that feels that way I'll say I know
1: I know and then everyone's like Julie why can't I write on your wall I'm like no one's writing on my wall there's not a lot <laughs> um <laughs> I have the privacy settings on like you know Defcon 1 um that's and then fair. and then. Because you can't ever, like potato chips, you can't eat just one. I um, tried out this past summer uh, for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and I appeared on that just a couple weeks ago on April 15th. Um, Wow. Yeah. I I did that. I I made it.
0: You're like the most fun attorney I've ever met.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It's it's hosted currently by Chris Harrison, who hosts The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, um, which I can honestly say I've never seen an episode of either one of those, but I sort of knew his, um, his cultural significance. Uh, it was great fun. Uh, I, I went down on the $20,000 question, and to the mortification of my college roommates, uh, it had to do with the Indigo Girls who in Ann Arbor, Michigan in nineteen eighty eight were basically ubiquitous. Um so I, I was terrible it was terrible to take a tumble in esteem in the eyes of my college friends. But uh okay. it, <laughs> you're amazing. <laughs> it was very fun. What's fun. Very okay. fun. And um and I have no further the next question I always get is what game show are you going to be on next? And um I assure you, I have no further game show plans at the moment. But I would never say never if something cool comes along.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I have to tell you, Jeopardy is like the pinnacle. I mean, that's like an incredible. It is. You know, who it's wants amazing. To the Millionaire is pretty great too. I mean, only you know, only the smart survive. And you have, and you did, and you got on there, and wow, I'm blown away. Um, but the fact that you were on Jeopardy, you know, at all is very impressive. And the fact that you are a lawyer with such a great sense of adventure, again, unique and impressive and excited about the things that you do for a living and the things you do in your personal life. And folks, I know her to be a really great mom. Um, She tells this awesome story that we're not going to share here, but I'll tell you what (laughs) she is tight with her kids and um, great mom. That, that to me is up there along with, you know, job number one, so kudos for that, too. Um, I look forward to seeing you soon in Chicago this yep. week, in fact, and yep. uh, I know how to reach you, but if others want to reach you, I will also put this into a blog, so folks, if you miss it, don't worry, you can catch it on the blog, but how do they reach out to you? Not Facebook,
1: you can't write on it. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on it, but I'm early on it, and you can't tell me anything. Um. <laughs> Such so. a fear. Totally. <laughs> uh, so, I'm on LinkedIn. It's Julie Staple and it's S T A P E L. So, not like the office supply. Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Julie Staple. And continuing a theme, you're also free to reach me at julie.staple at morganlewis.com.
0: Awesome. Awesome. This was so much fun. I hope the listeners had as much fun as I had hearing your comments, your stories, the way you tell, not just your content. But your delivery, like I really think, I want to have you speak at one of my events across the country. You'd be an amazing. Oh, you're sweet,
1: Susan. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you're fun. You're fun and interactive, and and just compelling, and everything everything people want in a podcast guest and in an in person featured speaker. So I'll be calling you on that as well. Well, have a great day, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and Julie. I will see you soon.
1: Thank you. Bye bye.
0: Bye.